Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. A person of influence, a spiritual leader, it comes down to the person's character. Let me give you a definition of character. The attributes and features that make up and distinguish an individual. You know, in our world today, even in the religious world, we're more concerned with a person's reputation and talent than we are with their character. Jesus wasn't. What is it that you value in a man? Money, fame, power? Today, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to value a person's character more than anything else. In today's world, we often idolize people of popularity regardless of their character. In Scripture, Jesus ignored social status and focused on the character of a man or woman. How about you in your life? What's more important to you? Your character is something that will set you apart and will represent Christ greater than any claim to fame. How can you bring more glory to the name of Jesus today by your character? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, The Threat to the Church from the Inside. See, there's nothing hidden from God. So Jesus says, wait a minute. You're supposed to be kind, compassionate leaders, but you're ripping off the people? What's up with that? Let me ask you this morning. Would Jesus say woe to some of the Christian television marketing gimmicks that we see? He'd say, whoa, and I, I, I wish he'd pull the plug. Let me share with you a couple things you need to be wise about. If you watch a Christian television program and half of the program is about getting you to give, be careful. If there's 15 minutes of preaching and 15 minutes, how you can sign your house over when you die, how you can give to them, how they need this, be very careful. If you watch a Christian television station and it sounds to you like a marketing program, like an infomercial, turn it off. We have everybody selling bee pollen, colonics for you that are for Christians, vitamins, makeup that's from whatever. Hey, bee pollen, just eat honey. Forget the bee pollen crud. Why am I saying that? Because my background is pharmacy. And their medicines that they give you, special name, Holy Land Vitamins. <laughs> Made in Joyzy. 
I can buy that for three ninety nine. You know what they charge you? Forty nine ninety nine. And we're stupid enough to do it. Now, not only are we stupid enough, but the world that's looking for answers turns on the television, and what do they hear? It looks like any other program. It should not be. Jesus would say, whoa. Now, when there's a legitimate need, nothing wrong with making the need known because people give to make things happen, but not with manipulation. So Jesus says, Woe to you guys that make these big prayers, but all the time you're stuffing your pockets. Now look at this last verse here. and uh, Look at, therefore you will receive, what? Greater condemnation. What does it mean you receive greater condemnation? Well, James 3.1 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. In other words... Since a teacher, since a pastor, since an elder, since a parent is a person of great influence, we're going to be judged harsher. That pastor that says, this is not true, will receive greater condemnation and damnation from God. See, there's degrees of reward and degrees of punishment. Degrees of reward in heaven and degrees of punishment in hell. It doesn't change the location, but there are degrees. So those of us that teach, those of us that are elders and pastors, we take this very seriously because your lives are at stake. I don't want to receive heavier judgment because I fail to practice what I teach. So here's the no woe. Say it with me. No woe. Here it is. Talk to talk. And walk the walk. Just be real. Don't pretend with your long prayers that you're some super spiritual person. And all the time in the background you're gossiping and doing all kinds of things. Well, look at verse 15. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. Again, addressing leadership. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. Well, let's stop there. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. Is that good? That's very good. You see, the Bible speaks about having a zeal, but you should have knowledge with it. Many of you became a Christian, and right after you became a Christian, you had tremendous zeal. The problem is you had little knowledge. So you went home, and you gave your relatives, your mom or dad or husband or wife or neighbor, you gave them the full story, didn't you? All shot, become a Christian. And you blew them away, didn't Did any of you try that? You did that. And now you have to backpedal a little bit because you got too aggressive with them. You had zeal, but you didn't have any knowledge. But it is good for you and I to have an incredible knowledge that can go with the zeal. Now, what do I mean by that? Listen, I'm concerned, and I'll just say it kindly to us. I'm concerned that we don't have enough passion and zeal in our Christianity. Oh, we are going overseas. We are going next door. But I don't think we really realize how much influence we should have. Do you know in America, the absolute worst attendance of any meeting anywhere is always where we pray together. 
Guys, we need to be passionate. Are you ashamed of being a Christian? If that was part of our deal, would would you get your prayer rug out in plain view and pray to the God Almighty? No, most of us play at our religion. And why are the Muslims taking the world over? Because they're radical in their faith. But it's wrong faith. We have the right truth. But we're not radical. And I don't mean by radical weird. I mean we don't have a passion for God. God help us. Jesus would say woe to us. I believe it. He would say woe to me. And it's not just about prayer. It's the whole deal that we're not, we're not making converts like God wants us to make them. Jesus says, woe. Now he says, woe, not because they had zeal, but because when they went and made converts, here's what they made converts of. Themselves. They tried to produce more Pharisees. And Jesus says, what's up with that? You're supposed to be producing more God lovers. Listen, I learned this a long time ago. Many, many years ago. Write this little statement down. A rebel reproduces another rebel. That's what Jesus was saying. You got great zeal, but all you're doing is reproducing more more Pharisees. And you know what happens when you produce a Pharisee? Normally they have more zeal than the person that reproduced them. There's radicalism with it. So in our fellowship, for instance, in a home group, if we discover a leader in a home group is not submissive, wants to do his own thing, come up with his own ideas, how he wants to do things, we deal with them, we we love them, we encourage them, we try to get them to change. If they won't change, we remove the leader lovingly. Why? Because if we don't, pretty soon I have 12 rebels. Do you understand? That's how the world works. So Jesus says, Woe to you, you're you're making disciples, but you're making disciples of you. And that's not a good thing. Let me give you an example of something that I think um, we have to be careful. Let me just say it, we're Calvary Chapel. You see, many religions try to convert a person to become a Catholic, a Protestant, a Jehovah Witness, or a Mormon. You see the Mormons say, become a Mormon. We must be very careful. Listen to me. We must be very careful here in Melbourne. And in Vieira, we're not trying to make people Calvary Chapelites. I want people to be followers of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? I love Calvary Chapel. I love Calvary Chapel. That's who we are. But guys, we weren't called to make people Calvary Chapelites. We were called to make them followers of Jesus Christ. In the upper room, something interesting happened. That night, Jesus gave the meal to us called Communion. The Eucharist, Thanksgiving. Do you ever think in his wildest imagination, Jesus thought there'd come a day when you can go to a church here in our country, in our city, and if you're not a member of that church, you can't take communion. Do you think Jesus ever thought when there were no denominations, when there was no separatism, that when he gave the meal, He said, 
Do this in your own little isolated group whenever you remember me. No, the body of Christ is all followers. So in our fellowship, we practice something called open communion. If you are a true follower of Christ, I don't care if you're Baptist, Catholic, whatever you are. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe in the Word of God, you've asked Him to come in your heart, when we serve communion, I believe it's a mandate from Jesus to serve you communion. See, it's not about our church. It's about the meal He gave us. And I know that's hard for some of you, but understand, we're going to be in heaven with all kinds of people that love Him. Before 1970, there were no Calvary chapels. So be careful you don't become this. Jesus says, well, it's nice you go and make converts, but you're making more converts like you. And you are Pharisees that don't know God. I don't like those kind of converts. We want to make people converts to Jesus. So here's our third no woe. Say it with me. No woe. Encourage people to become a convert to Christ. By the way, you're not the pilot of your own life. You were bought with a price. Your body is not your own. It's his. That's what Jesus was trying to say. Well, take a look. We'll have our fourth woe right here in verse 16. Woe to you blind guides. We'll come back to that in a moment. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by the oath. You blind men. Remember, he's talking to leadership. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? You see, the religious leaders, how can I say it? The religious leaders had become liars. You couldn't trust them. Now, they were smart enough never to use God's name in a vow. They knew their Old Testament this well, Leviticus 19.12. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of God. I am the Lord. Listen to what Barclay says. To the Jew, a binding oath was an oath with definitely which definitely and without equivocation employed the name of God. Such an oath must be kept no matter the cost. But any other oath without God in it could be legitimately broken. The idea was that if God's name was actually used, then God was introduced as a partner in the transaction, and to break the oath was not only to break faith with men, but to insult God. See, these religious leaders knew how to be evasive. They would swear by the temple but not the gold in the temple. Their rules. So let me give you an idea. One of the religious leaders goes to a friend and he says, I'm 50 bucks short on rent this month. Can you loan me the 50? I'll pay it back. And the other person says, well, you're a rabbi. Can I trust you? Sure. And will you swear? Yeah, I'll swear by the temple. I'll pay you back. So three months goes by and the individual runs into the rabbi again. Hey, you owe me the $50. You never paid it back. He said, oy vey, I forgot. I... I Swore by the temple, but I didn't swear by the gold of the temple. So sorry. You say, you got to be kidding me. No, that's what they began doing. You see, they were actually liars. They knew how to manipulate the situation. They knew exactly what they were doing. Now think about this. 
here's a spiritual leader that lies. Well, the Bible gives us a clear picture of what that looks like. Take a look at these verses here. Titus 1-2 says, God does not lie. So if I represent God, how can I be a liar? Well, who is a liar? Well, Satan's a liar. Look at John eight forty four. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says to these religious leaders, you twist the truth. You do it on purpose. You're deceitful. You're hypocrites. So God can't lie. And a Christ follower should be a person of truth. So Jesus really, earlier on, he said this. If you swear by heaven or earth or the temple or the gold of the temple, it doesn't matter. All of it's the same because God made them all. Well, look at verse 20. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and the one who sits on it. So Jesus was saying something earlier, Matthew. You see it. What should we do regarding O's? What should we do? Matthew 5, 37 says this. Simply let your yes be yes. And your no, no. Anything that comes beyond this is from the evil one. Do you know we do the same thing today? We say things like this. I swear to God that that's the truth. Or we say things like this. I swear on my mother's grave. Or we say this, I'll swear on a stack of. Jesus says, what's up with that? If you're a Christ follower, let your yes be yes and your no, no. You know, yes should have how many meanings? One. No should have how many meanings? One. We can become very evasive. And when you leave, you go, what, what did they say? That is not a Christ follower. Parent, this is a huge one. Are you truthful in the home? Well, look back at Matthew 23, verse 16. I said we'd come back to it. Look what it says. Jesus says, woe to you, blind guides. You see, a leader is a guide, a person of influence. I mean, how in the world would you want a blind guy to lead you? You're a mountain climber. And you always wanted your whole life to climb Mount Everest. There's five of you to get together. You get your packing gear. You go up to Mount Everest on the bottom. And it says here, blind guides for hire. Are you going to pick one? No, you're not going to pick one. So Jesus says to these people, You're a blind guy. You're supposed to be leading the blind, but you yourself are blind. What a disaster. Then in our pulpits today, we have blind guides who are leading people away from the truth. You see, a person of influence, a spiritual leader, it comes down to the person's character. Let me give you a definition of character. The attributes and features that make up and distinguish an individual. Do you know in our world today, even in the religious world, 
We're more concerned with a person's reputation and talent than we are with their character. Jesus wasn't. See, reputation is what you are in the light. Character is what you are when no one else is around. Reputation is probably going to be what's on your tombstone. But character is what God knows about you on Judgment Day. It's very different. I'm to be a person of godly character. The perfect role model of a leader with godly character is Jesus. That's why I said to you at the beginning, we invite Jesus here. God designed parents and Christ followers and obviously leaders to be people of influence. That depends on my character. Am I influencing for God or am I trying to promote myself? Our character is related to the Spirit's control of myself. The wider our influence, the more I need to be concerned with my character. You see, I should be leading, you should be leading, as if God was leading, with his character and by his rules. Are you a person this morning, in Vieira and here and watching by the... Are you a person of godly character? Jesus said to the spiritual leaders, Whoa, you're messed up. You're liars. That tells me that the Father is Satan, and you're leading the people. Our last no woe for this morning, be a person of godly character. Be truthful and follow God's truth, which is the Bible. You see, we have to be careful because when we make business deals or we make stock transactions or we sell our home or whatever, well, I kind of hid the... It was interesting, in one of our trips I've heard somebody say, you know what, well, they didn't catch me at the last place that I made a long-distance call or whatever. What do you mean they didn't catch you? What kind of a character deal is that? You see, that doesn't represent Christ. Now, there's a passage of Scripture I'm going to end with, and I want your attention for the next two minutes, and we're done. In Matthew 15, 14, Jesus says this, Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. You see, if in our pulpits today... The leader is spiritually blind, doesn't believe in Jesus as the only way, doesn't believe in the Bible, doesn't believe in grace and forgiveness, doesn't believe that the things in here are 100% true. That's a blind guide, and he'll lead the blind, the people, and they'll both fall into a pit. How can you be a successful person of influence in our world today? Well, Pastor Mark challenged listeners to be people of godly character, to be truthful and obedient to God's Word. As Christ followers, we are called to guide others to the truth of Jesus. Every person wants to hear the Lord say, Well done, good and faithful servant. How well are you serving the Lord today? Is it with a dedication to lead with humble, godly character? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Have you ever wondered what Jesus said about tithing? Although it can sometimes be an awkward conversation in churches and homes, Jesus always focused more on the heart than the dollar amount. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners to view every part of the Bible as powerful, relevant, and useful. Therefore, we must accept even the challenging sections with the right heart to learn and grow. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given